Welcome to a radical discussion of independence, free will, liberty, and the left-hand path. This is Damon Ossifer with your host, Paul Frederick. one and we're live and welcome friends and fellow daemons to another episode of daemonosophy where we are still fighting for liberty in the left hand path today my guest is danny stygian and the cast of his new film the goetia diaries an independent houston texas supernatural horror film um i don't know if i got that right but we'll talk more about it the imdb says Vlogger Richard Deacon investigates a black magic and the summoning of King Solomon's 72 demons in his current series, The Goetia Diaries. So, hey, welcome, everybody. It's good to be here. Thank you. It's good to see you all. I haven't seen I haven't seen you all since we uh, since we since we were filming. Yeah. So why don't we go? Well, let's uh, let's go around and like everyone like introduce themselves and what who you play or what your role was in the film. Um, and uh, Danny, let's start with you. Well, my name is Danny Stigian. I'm the director, and this is my wife, Brittany. Hi. <laughs> um, okay, so I guess I should go then. Um, so I got talked into doing the part of Danny Black, um, who does the tarot card reading with uh, Richard Deacon. He's kind of early on in the film. I, 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 please go I, ahead, lawyer. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> I play the part of Soren Parlo, and I'm supposed to be a expert in demonology. And I'm uh, Richard Deacon. I'm the vlogger that is doing a deep dive um, on the Goetia Diaries. And most of you all know me. I'm Paul Frederick. And in this film, I play the role of Trevor Maine, who is an occult <laughs> podcaster. I know that's a real, a real stretch, um, but there it is. And uh, it's really exciting. So, so before I end up just like talking about it, um danny tell us what's the basic story well the basic story is uh it's about a blogger named richard deacon he has a channel about the occult and conspiracy theories and his current project is called the goetia diaries which is uh the goetia is a practice of conjuration of demons yeah and it's, and it's uh presented in a found footage style Awesome. So, so let's talk about that. Let's talk about the found footage. And when you say found footage, that's like, like Blair Witch Project. Like the 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 basis of the film is the bits and pieces of it were found from like real, uh, like documentary or whatever style. So yeah, talk talk a little bit about that. How you came to the decision to make the film? Yeah, it's a uh, discovered footage, and it's presented by his uh, fiance. Um, it's kind of presented in that way for budget reasons. And just, I'm a big fan of the genre. I feel like it can give you a more personal experience of horror that a lot of more polished Hollywood movies can't. 
Yeah. I, you know, like I said, I can only, th I think of the Blair Witch Project when you think of that, that, that format of stuff. And I just remember when that movie came out, it just blew, it just blew people's minds. Yeah. You know, it's like, I, I think, I don't know, is that, is that probably the first, first found footage type film? Uh, I, I think Cannibal Holocaust, uh, oh. the first, but Blair Witch is the one that kind of really kind of put it out in the map. And a lot of people back then, you know, a lot of people didn't have internet, I think. Um, so they didn't know it wasn't a real movie or a real story uh, when it when it first came out, which is kind of hard to pull off these days. So one of the questions I wanted to ask you is, at what point did you decide, because you, all right, so let's go back. You do a lot, you, you've been doing a lot of other stuff. You've been like active in the in the Houston scene for like many years with fetish photography, you do a magazine, um, Cynical magazine, and um, and you've been involved with, uh, you know, putting on like some of these like fetish fetish balls and stuff like that that happen. Yes. So, and you're you're very, you know, you, you do great work with that and you're very, uh, very successful and well-known around. So at what point, where did you decide in all of that that you were gonna make a movie? Uh, well, I've always wanted to make films since I was a teenager. Uh, I just kind of got sidetracked in the photography and uh, uh, making videos. And, you know, um, eventually I, I wanted to start a magazine. And that I started a magazine in 2010 called Cynical. Um, but in my mid-30s, I just kind of revisited uh, my original goals. Like I, I wanted to make films. Um, so I started making some short films. One was with Jay called Solitaire. And then uh, the second short film I made uh, was called Curse of Witches with my wife, Brittany. And then I just kind of, I think, once I hit 40, I said, I, I need to get this done or going because, uh, you know, getting kind of late in the game. <laughs> um, so yeah, we just, uh, we wrote a script. Uh, we started a Kickstarter campaign and raised some funds to buy the equipment we needed to shoot it. Um, and then we shot the film over the over weekends over the course of a, about a year and a half. What was your uh, biggest challenge? Uh, biggest challenge is just handling a lot of things that uh, I guess bigger productions have, like you know a sound crew and um, just more people on deck to help. So just trying to you know hold the boomstick and set the camera and try and direct actors uh, doing everything at once. Um, it's a lot. <laughs> and uh, and just scheduling, just working with everyone's schedules that, uh, you know, thankfully everyone has been real supportive uh, on their project and donated their time to, to help make this happen. And you're doing you're doing all the editing on it? Uh, yes. Uh, Jack, my friend Jack, uh, he started to edit on the project, but he got busy with uh, his main job. Um, but he's going to help out at the end and uh, try to help us with the final color grading and sound mix. Um, so it's kind of a co-editing job, but I did most of the editing, yes. And then is there, so you said there's a Kickstarter. Is that still going on? No, uh, I think we did that last year. Yeah. 
right yeah. before all the filming. Yeah, it was like a 30-day Kickstarter. We raised, I think, like 4000 uh about $4,000. So the budget of the movie is about 4500 So, Oh, okay. Which is like nothing on a big Hollywood production. <laughs> but it's pretty significant. It's it, it's pretty significant to to get that kind of uh, to get that kind of support uh, for something like this because yeah. it's pretty unique. You know, it's like so uh, a lot of independent filmmakers, you see them, uh, you know, starting out in this kind of kind of genre. They go towards the uh, the zo- you see the zombie, the zombie uh, um, genre is very popular um, yeah. way to get started. So why did why why didn't you go like that direction, say, uh, versus you went kind of this direction with the occult? Is there is there something that, uh, that drew you more that direction than the than other possibilities? Yeah, uh, well, zombies are kind of everywhere these days, um, and and. I'm just personally interested in the occult. Uh, I try to write a script about things that I was interested in or knew about already. Um, and then, you know, the resources that I have and the type of movie that I'd want to see, because I, I don't think there's many movies that are kind of like this, um, like the Goetia Diaries. Um, but yeah, I, I guess that's the main direction I went, reason why I went in that direction. Yeah, I agree. I think it's like really unique. I mean, that's like this is like the kind of movie, you know, when I was younger, God, I wish someone would make a movie. Why why don't people make movies like this? Um, so it was really exciting for me uh to see it happening and to to be a part of it. So so Jay, let's uh let's let's hear from you. How did you get how did you get involved with this whole this whole scheme? Scheme. <laughs> Um, I've known Danny for, for several years now. And as he mentioned, um, he, uh, said he was going to create a, a short. He wanted to do a short and he asked me if I wanted to participate in it as, as an actor. Uh, and that's something I've always been interested in, not professionally, but on the side. Uh, and I think we, we had a lot of success with that. You know, we did that in the hotel room in 10 hours or something or 11 hours, uh, which was pretty remarkable to get that done in that period of time. And then when Danny approached me and said, Hey, would you like to take the lead in, in this film that I'm doing? I said, of course, you know, I think, uh, I think um, I, I, I like your style. I like, I like the way you, you, you direct things. I like the way you approach things. And also, you know, you're a good friend of mine. Uh, so it was a pretty easy choice to, to say, I'm, I'm, I, I'd like to work. That's great. So and I remember you and I did a scene together um and and you know i I, my my experience with this things the these kinds of things go like way back like i took a you know in the 90s i when i went to school i minored in film studies and just had some real you know uh amateur like uh, experiences with it so um it was really exciting like kind of getting back into that getting into that mode and realizing how much you you know how much I'd retained of it and, and, and how much it's like, Oh, this is like kind of familiar territory. But then the next thing I noticed is like working with you is like, I'm like, well, this guy's like really good. He like knows how to, he actually knows how to act. And, and I was like immediately really intimidated, intimidated by it. And I remember we went through it, like I had to go through everything like several times, but so did you, do you have any, uh, have you developed through this process? Do you have any kind of internal, sort of strategy that you use to approach it? Um, 
I, that's that's more praise than I think I deserve. I, pre- I appreciate it. I, I looking back on some of the scenes, I'm like, ah, you know, maybe I would have gone with a different choice. Uh, but I, I do appreciate it. Um, I did enjoy our scene together. I think it turned out really well. Um, I think it's kind of it's almost like a retrospect type of thing. Like I figured out the character more as we went on, and I felt kind of earlier on it was it was kind of feeling it out. But you know, when you film over eighteen months and you're meeting people's unique schedules and fitting these things into really short timelines. Um, I think, I know you didn't ask me if that was a difficulty, I'm throwing it out there. And then like internally, it's, you know, you just, you just want to have it uh, appear to be a natural conversation, right? You see some actors, some maybe, uh, I don't want to say subpar films, but people who maybe have less experience and you can almost see them kind of waiting around, like, you know, like I need that person to finish their line so I can say my line rather than having this kind of reactive process where it's, it appears to be a very authentic conversation. And in some cases, you can you can kind of make it feel that way. Um, I, I would, you know, kind of counter your praise by saying uh, when you were talking about what you were an expert, you were an expert and had expertise in, that was kind of a natural conversation because you were teaching me something as we were going through that. So it made it really easy to, to have that appear um, more authentic, I think, than maybe some other. You know, it's 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 funny that like trying to act naturally is like one of the hardest things and you only really have to try and do it a little bit you know and see a little bit of yourself to realize how hard it is and you realize when people say you know oh he's just playing himself like people like denzel washington oh he's he just plays himself and it's like you know number one you know no number two you realize how hard it is to, to be able to do something like that takes so much um, so much work and experience and talent and all these things and you really like it, it, it just going through it you have a renewed appreciation of the, the professionals right who make make films at the Hollywood level that people do this like you know so so um, so effectively you know. Mm-hmm. Um, is is just like really impressive, and it's and it's easy before you know that, and you have even that tiny bit of experience. It's so easy to just dismiss, you know, oh that movie sucks, I hate that director, blah blah blah, so and so can't act, and it's just so easy to dismiss things. But you realize after you go through this that even the even the crappiest, most low budget film that you've ever seen in your life, you realize. So many people worked so hard on this that no, nothing that's happening in this is really just an accident, right? It's like everything that that occurs in it is there's thought behind it, there's intention behind it, there's some kind of story behind it um, that's meaningful. So um, I can say I really that's one of the things I really appreciate about uh, getting to um, getting to uh, work with you all in in this uh, project. So, so lawyer, um, we we need to hear from you next. So, what what's what's your angle? How did you get how did you get wrapped up at all this? I first met Danny through a cynical shoot. He um, contacted um, the shop that I had and wanted to do a spread. And um, I've gone to his um, cynical ball and really have enjoyed myself. And so, I've always appreciated and admired his work and the quality of his work. And when I was approached um, to see if I was interested, I didn't hesitate because I know that he would, I, I trusted 
in um, the final product that he would produce. And so then I also have to kind of put the same the same thing to you that I did to Jake, that when we got together we uh, for the scene that we were in and we worked together a little bit on it, I realized, oh, wow, this guy really knows how to act. I was really intimidated then. So I have to ask you, uh, what what is your background? What is your experience with this? What is your strategy? Tell us tell us where you're coming from. I um I actually have no acting background at all. This is um the very first time that I've been acting. Um I, yeah, I, I actually have no experience. I was actually intimidated by all of you um being in the situation. And the thing that you said about um act natural, acting natural is so difficult. One of the things that Danny did for me, which I really appreciated, was um the lines that I'm saying when um Deacon comes to um to see me are lines that he picked from interviews that I had. And while that would have been really natural for me to just regurgitate the things that I've said in interviews, I don't know why it was so so difficult and so challenging for me. It was just, um, I, I, I think it has to do with like the situation that you're around and, and the cameras and the light and then people behind the camera. And that whole um, situation is really um, intimidating, but um, I, I saw the scene and I, I'm happy with the way that it turned out. But no, I um, no experience. I just sort of um, sort of step outside of myself and and think about what people criticize and what people look at, and then um, and then sort of go from there. I was um, having lunch with a friend of mine, and um, I was telling him that I get to have the screener um, yesterday. And I was like, I'm really nervous about it. I know I'm just going to criticize myself up and down. And he's like, you know, we are our own worst critics. And I've always hated that line because I don't believe that to be true. Um, and I was telling him um, because we give we can give each um, ourselves grace because we know where we come from and we know our capabilities. I'm like, well, you know, people say that, but when you actually meet your worst critic who is not going to give you grace, who does not know your capabilities or um, your background or anything, then you realize that you're not really your own worst critic. <laughs> but um, yeah, we had that conversation. But um, yeah, no, I I was just happy to do it. And like I said, I have no background, so I really appreciate that. Yeah, so you, you do... Um... I, I follow you on TikTok, so I see a lot of the videos that you do on there. And so you have some some cosplay background too, right? Yes, I do. I, I follow you as well. Yes. So um, as far as I, I guess that's the only acting really that I have is on TikTok, which it always seems like it isn't really worth mentioning because it isn't acting. But um, the process that I go through is and a lot of cosplayers don't do this, is that they will take a character and be like, okay, this is how Johnny Depp played this character, so I'm going to wear exactly what he wears and act exactly like Johnny Depp. And I don't like that. I kind of like to take the character away from Johnny Depp and be like, okay, if I was cast in this role, how would I do it? And so every character that I um, portray, it's always my own version of that character. While I do use their lines, um, I try to critique certain things that I was just like Johnny Depp as a Mad Hatter that I was like he's not really showing 
Mad Hatter's disease. He doesn't have the ticks and the twitches, and I think that that's missing. And so I try to add my own version of what I feel was needed um, because I don't like to just copy what someone else is doing, and um, and it's appreciated. Yeah, you're already like you, got, you can already see that you've thought about this like ten times more than than. Uh than someone who's never gone through this kind of experience before and it and i think it really sh it really shows it really shows in the in the final product thank you it's um because um danny offered me this and um he put trust in me i thought it was important that i just didn't show up and just say my lines but rather sort of um dissect the character so that um even though parts of it were me that i go into it um sort of like a fully fledged out character um, because I felt like I, because I only have two scenes, I don't have time for character development. I have to kind of be completely fleshed out. And again, because, um, Danny trusted me, it was important for me to be able to deliver for him. And I have to note here, so you're, you're also a Houston, uh, personality. You were the, the, the man behind the, the wild collection, correct? Yes, me and my business partner. Yeah, so I mean, for those who don't know, the Wild Collection, uh, and stop me if I'm ex if I'm not explaining this correctly. The Wild Collection was a um, a shop in Houston in the Heights area that featured uh, curios. And um, how would you how would you describe what the Wild Collection was doing? Um, that's exactly what it is. It was um, when I first came up with the idea for the Wild Collection, I pictured some of my favorites, which would be Oscar Wilde and Edgar Allan Poe. And I was like, what, if they were to have tea together, what would their surroundings look like? And so that's how I developed the look of the wall collection. And I also, all my life, I've been very fascinated by superstition and what that does to the mind and how it can physically manifest itself. Um, you know, As you know, we can create our own magic. And so superstitions and religion were always really fascinating to me. And so I wanted to be a place kind of like the world where it's a mixture of superstition and a mixture of religions and have them all sitting side by side and coexisting and um, in a more um, harmonious way than we coexist with different mindsets here in the world. And that's what I tried to develop and um, I was pretty successful at that. Oh, excellent. So this is this is reminding me and maybe this is a question that 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 um we'll all have some thoughts about but this film deals with the concept of uh demonic possession is one of the the um one of the themes in this and 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 so lawyer you'd you'd given a we were having a great conversation about our th our um, ideas about demonic possession can you share a little bit about what you were you were saying about your experience when you were when you were younger well <laughs> I, I don't know how far to go back. Some of, some of it can be a little embarrassing. Um, I grew up Catholic, and so um, if any of you all know anything about Catholicism, it's, you know, being demon-possessed is like, it just sort of happens in the religion. It's interesting because it almost seems like um, the only people, and this is what led me to atheism, is because I was so entrenched in Catholicism that I was like, I don't want to get demon-possessed. And then I started noticing that only Catholics get demon-possessed in movies and in stories. And I'm like, yeah, well, I, there's something there that I don't want. And so um, that's sort of how it started. I um, first watched the movie The Exorcist when I was 10 years old, and I watched it like a documentary. 
Um, and if you recall during that time um, when it first came out, people were saying it's based on a true story and this event actually happened. And so it really messed up my young Catholic mind. And I still have a lot of residue over certain scenes of the movie, even though I know better now. But um, that's that's sort of how um, how it sort of started. And then I started sort of seeing different movies because I'm really fascinated by the subject of um, demon possession and how it's how it's possible, but not in the way that people think it is. Um, how um, certain diseases and conditions can bring hyper-religiosity and um, certain traits that are seen when somebody's demon possessed. And sometimes when I'm watching a possession, a possession movie, I often feel bad because I'm thinking, could this have been mental illness? And because the um, family is so um, religious that they are torturing um, this woman or this man, what have you. But um, so when I was talking to Danny about um, any possession movie was that whenever people know that it's going to have a possession in it, everything is centered around it. And um, Danny didn't do that because it's centered around a lot of other things. Um, the possession is sort of like a side note where a lot of times people are like, it's a possession movie, that's the climax. It's all about the possession. And um, because of the budgeting, I was concerned that certain um, tropes would be pulled out, which you don't want to pull out those tropes because it could be compared to the masters like the exorcist. Um, and so I'm glad that um, the movie sort of stayed away from that and sort of went in another direction with the possession. Um, just so that there isn't that comparison because then you will always have people be like, oh, I recognize um, certain things about this from this movie and they did it better. And that's not done in this film. So Danny, do you, can you, do you, do you have any comment on that? Right, I, uh, I agree with lawyer. I mean, the king of possession movies would be the exorcist and uh, it would not be a good idea to try and mimic what they did. Um, and I kind of like the idea of, uh, you know, playing with the idea that is it all in the characters' heads or is it real too, uh, by not showing too much. <laughs> okay, there we are. We're, we're, we are live for the second half of my interview <laughs> with the director and cast of the Goetia Diaries. And so now I wanted to talk to uh, Brittany Stygian and, and your angle on all of this. I recall from when we were shooting the, the final big ritual sequence that you demonstrated acute knowledge of the arts of tying people up. Could you talk a little bit more about your back, background and what you, what you bring to this? Um, <laughs> it's a skill that's come in handy quite a bit, actually, more than I thought would um, coming out of a dungeon. Um, so I have a fondness for rope was, uh, or shibari, um, rope work was something that I picked up when I was a dominatrix. And um, like I was saying, it's come in handy quite a bit <laughs> in the most unusual times, I guess. So either like being on the river and tying tubes together or <laughs> in the scene um, 
helping somebody be tied up. <laughs> um, I guess through the movie, I've been more of like support, um, even though I got talked into doing a scene. And I think I can add to the fact of the nervousness and anxiety <laughs> of going in. Um, but I really did lean into um, like what Jay said of like being yourself and just uh, the reaction to like, how would I react in the scene? Um, and that made it a lot better. <laughs> and so you've done, you've done uh, modeling and stuff, right? So you've been, you've been on a, on a stage before? Um, <laughs> yeah, so I always find myself getting put into situations. <laughs> it's not something that I necessarily seek out. Um, modeling, I guess sometimes I don't think of it as modeling in my mind as more of like creating images. So I love fashion and I love makeup and creating different looks and experiences within like photography. So to me, it's not just like a picture of like, look, I'm feeling myself and looking cute. I mean, that happens sometimes, um, but it's more on that creative aspect of, I wanna create an image that's like intriguing and has a lot of elements to it. Um, and that's kind of how, before I was even with Danny um, in a relationship, I had seen some of his photography years before, even before I was in the fetish scene. And I just loved his eye of, what is the, oh, it's on your shirt right now. The girl in the kitchen. No, oh, I you can't show so. it, can you? You'd have to like, yeah. <laughs> oh, no, it's not going to pick it up. Oh, oh, there it goes. There. Sorry, oh, that's gone. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Anywho, so it's an iconic photo that, usually get stolen on the internet to make memes it's like a girl in the kitchen and she's all in bondage and um <laughs> I just remember seeing that photo and I was like wow like even though it's black and white it has like a like an era feeling to it and then years later I found out that it was his <laughs> I sent it to him and I was like look at this photo he was like yeah I took it <laughs> like, uh, yeah I don't know I go on tangent sorry <laughs> No, that's great. I mean, you you have that talent for that, for like, um, you have an eye, an eye for things, you know, like some people have an eye for fashion, some people have an eye for shapes. And and Dan, Danny is the same. Danny is like that, too, because I was thinking, uh, I guess to share a little bit about my background with uh, uh, how I know Danny um, around, I think it was around 2004 or so, I, I talked Danny into doing photographs of my band as Modius X and um we went out and met him I can't even remember where it was but he like took us around to these different places he took us into a one was a public restroom somewhere um I'll say that and um <laughs> I love oh, right and he and he also you know this is this is the thing he 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 knows about lighting like not everyone who you, who you work with on that really understands lighting, but that's like one of the real key things to making a picture look good. I mean, some uh, there's only so much you can do with you know Instagram filters, but but he had these lights and he was setting up all these lights, and that was my first clue. Wow, this this guy, I think he knows what he's doing. But some of the photos that came from that ended up being we ended up using them on an album cover, but then a couple of them ended up becoming iconic like band photos that we ended up using for for decades, you know, or, or a decade at least, uh, after, after that, because I mean, he just, it was just right on, it was just right on the money. So it's like, and 
and and and that's what I'll say about about this film too. So I'd gotten back a hold of Danny, I don't know, a year or so ago to see if he wanted to take pictures of our band again. Um, because we were like coming back and trying to do things again. And Eddie came over and he, and he brought all this gear and all these lights with those big umbrella type things. And you're like, oh, wow, this is, this is really serious. I mean, he makes you feel, you know, we're like, you know, 40, 50 plus old men in the suburbs now. And he's making us feel like we're, you know, like we're, like we're come on Vogue, you know, like, <laughs> and, um, and it makes you feel like you're in Hollywood. And so then, uh, then uh, you know, and then, um, and then the, the, I, I, the, the, then the movie thing started happening after that. Um, and I, I'm trying to tie this back to the film, but what I've seen of the film, I haven't, I haven't watched the whole, um, the whole uh, tester of it yet, but it's like the images and the, the promos that have been coming out for it. It's like every, every scene is like a, it's like a painting. You know, it's like a, a complete, a, a holistic like image. And what it reminds me of as a filmmaker and, 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 you know, you, you know, take this for what it is. I think of Kubrick. I think of like Kubrick because Kubrick would do that. He'd do like a whole, sh a whole, like, like the opening scene of a clockwork orange. I think everyone on this call has probably seen a clockwork orange before how it all opens up with the four droogs sitting there and just that burn and just a real slow, like, you know, pan out on it's like a painting no one's moving in it no one's doing anything everyone's completely still in it and and kubrick is known for these completely like posed like shots that are like like a painting and so it made me think of that like just a, a holistic thing so um so all that being said then danny maybe you could comment on that what is your what, how do you see your style what are your directorial influences all that stuff uh i mean i definitely bring up what I know from photography to the composition and framing of the shots for the movie. Um, I don't, I've been doing photography so long. I don't even think about it anymore. I just kind of see things a certain way when I'm framing, uh, which is kind of one of the reasons why I wouldn't want someone else to be the director of photography on, on a, a film of mine. Cause that that's really important to me. And it I enjoy it. Um, coming up with those solutions as far as framing and lighting. Um, Favorite directors uh, definitely be like people like David Fincher, Stanley Kubrick, um, Christopher Nolan, John Carpenter. Um, I mean, there's a lot. I mean, I I love movies, and my wife knows because oh, yeah. I have a room just filled with movies. <laughs> um, and as far as found footage, uh, I mean, movies that I think are the best in the genre would be um, Player Witch. The Possession of Michael King is a good one. Um, Paranormal Activity, the first one. Um, I, I try to take a little inspiration for some of those films um, in making this film. Um, and I definitely try to present it in a subtle way. Uh, you know, we're using practical, I guess, effects for most of the movie. Um, trying to stay away from cheesy things like jump scares and, you know, prosthetics and all that and that's something that I really like about it is that you also have a respect for um, auth authenticity, an element of authenticity in it. And I think of 
um, Ro uh, I think it's Robert Eggers who just made uh, Northman and 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 The Witch and stuff like that. And it's like, well, he he stands out because of the authenticity. Yeah, because, we just saw that. Yeah, it's a really great film, The Northman. Yeah. And you know, this is another thing. It's like for years and years, you know, those of us who were who were into, you know, into the occult into left-hand path philosophies and 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 stuff like that would be you know we there's all the movies right there's the movies that everyone likes but you're always always like there's you know they always they always get things wrong they always have some influence in it or something in it that makes you go oh well they haven't really they didn't really study this they're just kind of like pulling some they just all just pulling some uh influence out of it some symbol out of it or something like that and just kind of mismatching it. they're not really worried about it um but um i feel that like what you what you started putting together it has that authenticity can you com can you comment a little bit about that how important is the authenticity um well, for example, there's some groups uh, on Facebook uh, about the Goetia that I uh, that I've joined recently to help kind of learn more about it and promote the film. And uh, from posting about it, um, there, there's a lot of support and interest in the film, and I think it has a lot to do with the fact that we've done our best to present the Goetia in an authentic way. Um, you know, I spent a lot of years reading the the best books on it uh, by Stephen Skinner, um, the the book by Curley and uh, Matheson, and uh, there's another one I can't remember his name right now. Um, it'll come to me, <laughs> but extensive uh, book collection. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, we, we've done our best to present it how it's supposed to be presented, you know, with the actual incantations and the the correct tools that you're you're supposed to use. Uh, when you do these rituals and hopefully people recognize that the, the people in the community and then people that are curious will, maybe they'll explore some of these books excellent so jay yes. is that a picture of akira behind you that's actually uh roland the shane from the Dark Tower series, Stephen King. Oh, he's my favorite author, so that's him. Uh, right, uh, right before the Dark Tower. Oh, okay. I was like, I thought it was like an Akira, an Akira picture, but that's pretty interesting too. Uh, is that a big influence for you? Yeah, yeah. I think that's. Uh, now I need to look at some Akira art. Now that you mentioned that, uh, I love that as well. Um, I think horror has always been important to me, you know, like child's play when I was younger had a big influence on me, um, probably started my love for this type of stuff. Uh, so I, I, I don't have the knowledge of, um, you know, the, the Goetia and, and practicing magic and things like this. So I've clearly always been interested in it as, uh, as you know, a hard buff. Uh, I guess speaking to like the authenticity uh, there were times when I was filming that perhaps maybe I wasn't taking this stuff as seriously, not that I was mocking it, but uh, Danny uh, and Brittany would get a little frustrated with me, not in a mean way. I'm not, I don't, I'm not disparaging them. They're like, hey, you know, we're, we're, we're working really hard to make this authentic. 
um, you know, really kind of don't take this too lightly. And that kind of helped me understand um, a little bit more about it and, and how important it was to them uh, to make sure that this is represented the best that it can be and, and taken seriously. Excellent. And lawyer, how about you? The question of authenticity. You kind of maybe talked about it a little bit, but could you expound on on authenticity? What do you see the role of that in these kind of films? Well, it's um, it's vital um, because authenticity will give you a uniqueness, and um, also I think it shows respect to your viewers that you're taking something serious and that you are exposing something. I think I always, whenever I think of authenticity. I always feel that it um, you're basically giving somebody um, a view of your insights and how your mind works. And so authenticity is is vital in things like this. Indeed, very profound. So so Danny, what's the what's the next steps for the the Goetia diary? When when can people see it? Uh, well, this month we're going to finish up with uh, the final sound correction and color grading, uh, and then I plan on the first to submit it um, to Film Hub to get it processed, to get it onto platforms such as like Amazon and Tubi, and then we're going to uh, be producing our own physical media like Blu-rays and DVDs and uh, distributing the film ourselves. Um, I've heard many horror stories about distributors taking advantage of uh, independent filmmakers on their first film where basically you sign sign away a lot of your rights you never see a dime for years and you know it's like I'd rather that we just put it out on our own uh, we still control it uh, we might not reach a massive audience so word of mouth is really important in those uh, communities uh, you know the the found footage, there's found footage communities. Oh, sorry. Kingsley uh -huh. agrees. Uh, yeah, the horror film communities, found footage community, uh, the cult community. Um, I think word of mouth is really important uh, in those communities to get uh, more, I guess, presence of this movie known. Um, but yeah, so that's the next step. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't have experience with that kind of stuff uh, in in the in the film realm, but I remember um, I was doing music and independent putting out independent CDs like in the 90s when that was the only way to do it. Getting a physical CD into a store somewhere was the name name of the game. And there were a lot of like Dutchies, Dutchies Dindy was one of them. And there's uh, these other like independent distributors out there and and you would like, you know, bust your ass to like try and get a deal with them. And 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 um, and that was hard, too. I mean, all the people that you had to call back then to get anything done, you know, club promoters and, you know, labels and blah, blah, blah. Hope someone answers the phone and returns your call and you'd bust your ass to get a, a, a distribution deal. And so they'd take like, you know, 120 CDs or something and you know you'd sign some deal for like you know like you know 36 30 to 90 days like return and then what would happen is you just you'd never hear from them again 
yeah. and that's it. And 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 sometimes you'd be like, oh, they're making money off our CDs. But the reality is what was probably happening is this goes into a warehouse somewhere. It goes into a corner and that's it. You know, and sometime around 2000, you know, 2002 or so, they're like, oh, well, let's throw this into a landfill, you know, or let's like go, th you know, take it to used the used record stores or something like that is more likely what happens. So. Um, so I'm a big advocate in uh, the the DIY direct um, yeah. approach that you're talking about. Um, you know, the internet has just changed the just made all of the that 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 segment that little that third party distributor industry like really kind of moot for this level of doing things, and you retain the the control that you retain over it dwarfs any any dream of a slight amount of more money that you might possibly like, like make off of it, you know, yeah. um, which again, you have to just basically throw away uh, any kind of visibility or knowledge of it to, to even get to the point where that's a possibility. Yeah. I've, I've talked to at least four filmmakers that I know, and they all said the same thing that we need to put it out uh, on our own. Um, Cause I mean, one of them, he even lost the rights to, to release Blu-rays and, you know, DVDs. I know we're moving into streaming, <laughs> but uh, you know that that would really uh, suck if, if we weren't able to do that. So. Right. No. Absolutely. Is there going to be a premiere? Uh, I th I think the plan is just uh, to release it online. We haven't tried to find a a place to screen it yet. Um, I know you had mentioned uh, a venue that might be good. Uh, uh, a Black Magic Social Club, I think is. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, Black Magic might, Social yeah. Club. We might do something like that, but I don't think we're going to try and find like a theater. Um, but yeah, we're still working out all the details on that. Because <laughs> you know the Houston, the Houston underground scene loves opening video screenings and stuff like that. So yeah. I mean, it would be, it would be a good time, if nothing yeah. else. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to look at a. Up, um, some options and there's already some festivals that are interested in showing the movie later in the year um so we're, we're looking at all that and it'd give us all an excuse to hang out again yeah. i mean since it wrapped it's like we never we never see each other anymore <laughs> yeah all right well i'm uh, does anyone have any 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 other uh thoughts they'd like to share i guess i would just say that uh you know it was, it was a wonderful experience um it's danny's freshman attempt at a pulling film. I think it really shows that he has a lot of talent and a lot of know-how. Um, as you mentioned, Paul, every kind of piece being like a landscape portrait, kind of being holistic, has really impressed um, with his knowledge. And I'm excited to see what his sophomore attempt is. So um, anybody that's interested in working with him, reach out to him. I'm sure he'd be receptive. One thing, or one topic is just like, watching Danny go from every day, I don't know how long you would set aside like an hour or two every day, consistently going over and creating um, different scenes and writing each scene. And I would hear him talking or talking to himself at the computer, um, having these conversations like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm trying to write a scene right now. Shit, I'm like, okay, all right. And um, when he finally got a cut and we would read through it together, um, it was just, it's been really cool to watch the whole process, like from the writing to the filming, meeting everybody, seeing these characters come to life. Um, 
it's just been a really incredible experience. And I think everybody played like perfectly. I have some of my favorite moments and hopefully after the movie comes out, we'll have like another talk and see uh, what people think, but it's just been incredible. Everybody did a great job. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Danny, I apologize for our dog. Uh, Danny, I'm interested to know, what are you gonna do with your time now? Yeah. <laughs> with all this stuff. Um, yeah, are you gonna be shy to go into your next project because you know what all this entails? Or yeah, what are you gonna do with your time now? I, I definitely, uh... I definitely want to keep making films. I'll probably start working on another uh, script and definitely on the ne next project. Uh, I'll learn from the lessons um, that I learned making this film. There, there's some things that I would do differently uh, and then try to definitely have more people helping <laughs> on the next one. So I want to at least hold the boomstick so I can concentrate on the directing the actors a little bit more than um, I had a chance to um, while I was paying attention to all the technical stuff. Um, yeah. No, I'm excited, and I, I do want to say that I appreciate all of you for helping me achieve uh, this goal of making a film. Uh, I really appreciate your time and your efforts and everything. It means a lot. Yeah, and I, I just have to, I have to reiterate, I have to reiterate two things out of this. One is that that Danny does get things done. Danny does what he says. There's so many people who are like, I'm gonna make a movie. I'm gonna gonna do this i'm gonna put out an album blah, blah blah and then and, and and then it peters out and they don't keep the momentum going and you never hear about it again but like danny like and and he always has all these things that, that you know that i've mentioned it's like he he he, de he delivers he 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 works on it he puts the effort into it and and that's the secret which i think everyone on on this group knows is you're gonna get something done you're gonna have to put you have to put effort into it you have to put work on into it uh, to see it through, even at the point where it's like not fun anymore, especially yeah. at the point where it's not uh, fun anymore. So, um, so thank you for that, Danny. Um, I appreciate it, and I know um, everyone else appreciates it. And the other thing I'm going to say, reiterate, is I want to do another one too. The minute this this was done, we're like, I was like, oh, that's so awesome. I'm already thinking of everything that I would want to do different if I was ever in this kind of situation again. So. Um, so that's, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to anything that, uh, you, you do in the future there.